Chapter Two of Human Toll by Barbara Bainton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fifty miles parted the dead man's property and Cameron Cameron, and it was not till the afternoon of the next day that he, with his daughter Margaret, drove up. Boshy, with Lovey beside him, was watching for them. Margaret held out her arms for the little orphan, but she shrank from them closer to Boshy, who gripped her hand. Cameron Cameron bared his head, and noiselessly they entered the house. Boshy, leading Lovey, came out a little later to the kitchen, and bade Queeby, "'Take Lovey for a tartar in the scrub,' while he, Cameron Cameron, and Margaret discussed things inside. Queeby instead went to Jimmy, still lying or squatting between the mile logs, and greedily begging from an uninterested horse grazing near, for as a food beggar Jimmy was ceaseless. Even in his sleep his hands went out. "'Cob and master, God, spill em flour bag. Frost. Last night on poor Jimmy. Plurry gull,' he complained to the child. "'White fella frost last night.' She understood and covered him with a bag. Laying his hands on his moon-whitened head, he continued. "'Yorgan, hungry. Poor fella me, tumble down Jimmy. Poor fella me.' was a further demand for food. Then angrily, "'That feller,' pointing out on the plain to Nungi, "'been eatin' big feller breakfast. Bug, but poor feller Jimmy any breakfast!' He squeaked harshly in self-pity, pointing from his mouth to his stomach, whining, "'Your grin, your grin!' His hungry importunity was no more to the child than the magpie's, for in that respect the magpie was his superior. The methods of both were strangely alike and had long since pulled on her, and this afternoon she hardly saw him. Leaving Queeby with him, she went noiselessly round to the widest crack in the bedroom and looked through. Still, that silent, sleeping father. She put her mouth to a crack and directed a deep sigh to his ear. The net and sheet fluttered, and the child's heart beat audibly. "'Father,' she whispered, tremulous with hope, but neither motion nor sound answered her. Child though she was, the sense of the mysterious fell upon her, and her mouth set maturely as she turned away. "'Sweet, pretty little creature,' the birds, her old friends, twittered to her. She turned from them and the scrub with its lurking shadows, and looked across the plain. The ewes and lambs were again round the empty troughs surrounding the well. She climbed on the butcher's block near the meat room. From this coin she could see the graves. One end of the palisading was down, and she saw the dirt being flung up under the mile clump by two of Cameron's men. Since the coming of Margaret Cameron and her father, Lovey had ceased to ask questions, but had followed their every movement with widely questioning eyes. She went now to the chimney corner and applied her eye to a well-known crack. Margaret sat beside her father on a stool, and Boshy stood facing them and herself, his left arm extended his thumb holding down the two middle fingers, his whole hand shook whenever he spoke, but too impartially for emphasis. Her father wrote to me just before he died about taking her, and the child must be schooled, said Cameron Cameron. Give me the books. I'll school her. Town, sniffed Boshy. Town's no place for a child like her. Nothing in em but a lying and a swearing and a sabbath breaking, a drinking and a forging and a... Boshy looked at Margaret and ceased abruptly. "'I don't say such an awful thing that happened to Lovey as that, but I see—' Boshy's jaw set. 
"'No good in towns, no school and neither,' he said sullenly. Cameron began, but Boshy stopped him. "'Mr. Cameron, sir, I knows to the full you means well to love you all right. "'They,' giving a backward jerk towards the bedroom, "'and uniting it by a hand-wave with the grave now being lengthened under the miles, "'may have been married or they may not have been.' "'Of course they were, Boshy. I've got their marriage lines here with these papers,' said Cameron. "'Oh, you've a-snabbled his papers, then,' said Boshy suspiciously, who had been too distressfully absorbed watching Margaret pack the child's clothes to notice this. Boshy paused, and after a visible struggle, went on with a matter even nearer to his heart. "'Well, married or not, it'll be all the same to lovey in the long run, you understand?' Neither did.' "'Well, it's this way. I've been here, young man and old, leastways middle age. For though me head may be a bit greyish outside, it's no ways greyish inside. Suppose you don't think I've been here for the love of it, just stuck here in this one-eyed country where no one comes, so the dogs don't have to bark at strangers, just for the run of me knife and pannikin.' "'No,' remarked Cameron, in tones inviting further confidences. "'You're right there. There's been bad seasons, and there's been good. But I've been asleep with one eye open, good or bad.' Boshy paused, but his hearers were again bushed as to his drift. He saw this, and in an effort to enlighten them, said slowly, "'Her all want for nothing.' He put both hands in his pockets, and looked from the nubbly carbuncles there outlined to the two. Still both failed to understand, or no one appeared to. Withdrawing his hands impatiently, he reluctantly said slowly, dropping his voice, "'Perhaps you have noticed there's not many old empty pickle bottles knocking about.' Then, considering this alarmingly explicit, he changed to the subject hastily. "'I says nothing about her a-goin' with this ere young woman for a day or so, till we gets him laid by. Same time she'd be just as well, if not better, in the scrubbier with Queeby, a berry-hunting, as she is now.' "'And at the time, when all's ready, when it comes back, and her sees him gone, "'I can easily chalk her off by telling her he's gone up to Mr. Gord's house, as her calls it, "'to see her mammy.' "'Trust me for that,' said Boshy, grinning egotistically. "'But the hearts of his hearers were still cold in his cause. "'Cameron was foreclosing the discussion as useless and ununderstandable. "'Boshy, mistaking the silence, winked.' and looked insinuatingly from one to the other, and in gratitude further entrenched on his secretiveness. And I may say, furthermore, seeing that I'm a-talkin' to white people, that them old empty pickle-bottles is where no old crows with colds on their chests will mistake them bottles insides for yellow cough lozenges, he went on, without pausing to elucidate, to him, the obviousness of his meaning. "'Now what do you suppose I make out of a damn one-eyed owl like this? "'That is, Annerley or Yearly, take season with season all round.' "'He paused to look for commercial Freemasonry from Cameron. "'I couldn't say, Boshy. What do you make now?' "'You wouldn't believe me. No, not if it took me oath.' "'Try me now,' induced Cameron. "'Boshy looked round the room, then under the safe and sofa. "'Beside them only the cat by the fire.' He opened the back door wide enough for the cat's exit, then, taking his cap from his head, he beat her out with it, and closed the door carefully. Backing into a corner, furthest from Margaret, he beckoned to Cameron, who bent, 
while Boshy, tiptoeing, whispered in his ear. "'No, it couldn't be done in the time,' incredulously pretended Cameron. "'I told you you'd doubt me word, but Gord may strike me dead if I lie,' challenged and confirmed the testator. He added immediately, "'But that confession has never been mouth be me afore, not even him,' pointing to the bedroom with one hand, and letting in the importuning cat with the other. All Boshy's past history was pure conjecture. From himself nothing had ever been gleaned, though many had pumped. "'How did you come out here, Boshy?' insinuated Cameron, intent on more confidences. "'That's neither here nor there, and you got no business to try to get me on the raw, Mr. Cameron,' said Boshy resentfully. There was an audible breathing space between the two men. Then Margaret said, "'Father meant out here, Boshy. Mara Galandry.' "'Oh,' he said, relieved. "'Well, I'd had me belly full of towns, so I took a look round for a careful sort of mate. And be Evans, I got more than I wanted, for I struck one as mean as cat's meat, Pat the Jew, as he was called. Soon give the bush best, and I hear now that he is a landed proprietor of the Court House Hotel, and quite the juicy cockroach.' He paused and allowed a smile to form and slowly faded his mental picture of his old mate as a boniface, and reminiscence hazed his one eye and relaxed his mouth. We camped one evening at Narangidgeri Creek, close be a cocky's umstead. We was clean dead beat, and hadn't tasted a bite of fresh meat for some time, and when we sees a couple of women a roundin' up and a runnin' and some cattle, tired as we was, we bucks up and gives em an hand. Well, in less than no time, the old woman, she brings out a gun and pops one off first go. After that, me and Pat rolls in and skins and dresses it. But be heavens, the old woman was a standin' by, and not even so much as a lick at the blood would her let her two dogs sneak, and them as dead beat as we was. By and by, the two women starts a runnin' off the, looking at Margaret, the entrails. But the two of em was at the same time a beatin' and a beltin' and a bashin' of both dogs back. We tried to coax the skirts and liver out of her. I give away nothin', she said, and be heavens that was all we did get, so we christened the place. Give away nothin' at all. Now, said Cameron, we must buck up. It's getting late. Now about the child, Boshy. She must come with us, you see. I see nothin' of the sort, replied Boshy, surprised. "'Who's got the best right to her, strangers or them is Winder? "'Yes, help me, God! Winder. he added fiercely, looking from one to the other, then suddenly softening. "'Mr. Cameron and you, young woman,' his pleading mouth worked tremulously. "'Twas I as Winder from her mother, almost an—' red spots glowing on his cheekbones. "'God's me judge, to kid her even from playing with the fowls, I used to take her into me workshop and turn myself into a blasted old brewster, a curlin' of and a crowin' of and a clappin' of me wings like, like babaggery. Boshy had turned his one eye on Cameron during this confession. Its cost, though, it might have missed the man, drew toll from the woman. Kind, kind, Boshy, but you see it's for the child's good. She could not stay now. She must be schooled, can't grow up like a wild animal interposed Cameron. "'There's not much wild animal about, lovey, and if all comes to all, isn't the bush the proper place for a wild animal? Town's all very well for a ornery child, but Mr. Cameron, and this young woman here, 
Lovey ain't be no means an ornery child. She's got ways be no ways ornery. In fact, they were born wi' em. And that's why I scup the all of them under her thumb, Nungi and Queenby and old Jimmy and—and, and, after a bashful pause, the old damn lot of us. This avowal begot another. Self me God, sir, to tell you the truth, if her were took away, I'd feel no better than her old— after a pause, rooster, what's lost a one chick? Then again brick-red spots glowed on the old man's high cheekbones, and his one eye glistened. He cleared his throat shamefacedly, then proceeded, solely addressing Cameron. Mr. Cameron, sir, to wires pottied, spoon-fed. That child when a mammy fast weaned her. Why, when I was little, and they was a-trying to wean her, not bite nor sup could they get into a little inside till I tackles her like this. Looking round, then, for lack of illustrative matter, improvising with his hands, I grabs up a lot of bread and milk sop and makes out side word. Come along, cock a doodle doo, come along, chooky hen and chicks eat up poor lovey sop, says I. What, says I, you greedy chooks, not leave none for poor little baby lovey says I, a-spillin' of it out, and a-gammonin', as they had gobbled of it all up out of me hands. Lord Gord, to see that little child, the spirit of her, the pluck of her, a-fightin' with her little, little hands with them fowls, game her is and always was, and always will be, game as a little ant. Boshy wiped the admiring moisture from his eye, with the red ear of his handkerchief cap hanging conveniently near it, then ventured on further memories connected with the child that he, like Mary, had pondered in his heart. "'Holy ghost!' said he, inadvertently but appropriately invoking the Pentecostal bestower of tongues. "'Holy ghost! They could talk long before I could walk, and plain as you and me, too. I'll allow as her was slow about walkin', and her is to this day if her could be carried. Now so help me God, this is as true as gospel. This is the dodge you got up me to try and wake up a dead daddy.' He told of the crowing in his workshop, and he seemed to be gaining his cause, for Cameron's bush-worn face had grown fatherly, and Margaret wept. But he suddenly cut him short with, "'Boshy, we know you have been good and kind to the child, but she must come with us for the time, then go to town to my sister to be educated. Why, my boy Andrew is there,' he added, to reassure Boshy. "'I've more rights to the child than any of you strangers.' said Boshy determinedly. A nice time her'll give you strangers, or anyone else who wants to try a little boots even. Not me, even if I was to put me two eyes out on sticks, will her let touch em. Me father will lace them, her says continually, and there her is, a waitin as her is, for him as'll wake no more, to wake and lace em up. He paused dramatically. But soon's her knows he's dead and gone, it'll be, Boshy, you can lace em up, and, Boshy, you can do this, and do that, and the other thing. To tell her the real truth, I was a-thinkin, as I was a-makin of his coffin, that I wouldn't be surprised if her didn't take to a daddy in of me, poor little motherless fatherless lamb that her is. Cameron Cameron moved towards the door. We must take the child, he said. She must be schooled. Suppose you could do everything else for her. You'll allow you couldn't school her, Boshy. 
"'Bless you'll allow nothing at all of the sort. "'Wait!' he earnestly commanded as Cameron's hand went to the door, and something in his tones caused the man to obey. In the pregnant pause the cat rose from the fireplace and stretched in a strained listening attitude with its eyes on Boshy. "'Get out of this, you listening tinker, you!' He aimed a kick at her and, again opening the door, drove her out. "'There's not one in the all of this district but what thinks I came out to this country for the good of my delicate constitution.' Everyone in that district thought differently. "'Also, as well, that I can't write.' He went slowly to the topless table, and along its dusty frame laboriously traced with his forefinger, Hugh Palmer. He raised his suddenly shrunken, withered face to Margaret's, that had as suddenly crimsoned. "'If so be as I were sent out, and altered my name, you may know, young woman, I'm not the only one. Yahoo Palmer, that young blade calls hisself, but Hug Palmer, his true name is, I see a letter as a come to him from home. In fact, the mailboy left it with me to give it to him. This for you, says I. He takes a look at it. Yahoo Palmer, he says, thinking I couldn't read. Hug Palmer, I says to him. And if that young man had a owned it to there and then, and why he was sent out to me, I'd a told him why I come, and said no more to one on earth. There's more in me in the same boat, you see, Mr. Cameron, and young woman, and my name is no more boshy and what that young man is Yahoo Palmer. Good of me else is my name for the cause of my voyage. Colonial experience is Mr. Yahoo Palmer's. Boshy's attempts at the English drawl of Margaret's lover, together with his wrongly bracketing him with himself as a convict, caused a burst of laughter from her father. My word, plenty worse than you out of jail, boshy old man, he said, slapping him on the back. "'And ye know where to find em said Boshy, stung by his noisy mirth, for it was to him a bitter confession, justifiable only by the greatness of the occasion, one that had induced him to uncover his two most hidden secrets. Cameron Cameron jerked his head at his daughter, and again went to the door. "'I've no wish to put between you and that young man, miss. God knows a conspiracy sent me here, and maybe ye were sent out for very little.' Yes, no doubt, so were he, and I'd rather you didn't name it to him, for I never be word of mouth spoke about it afore, he said, in agitated uncertainty, following close after Margaret. I won't, Boshy, she promised, too tender for Boshy's coming trial to enlighten him, even if she could. To his further dismay, the child met them outside, her eyes unnaturally open, her mouth unusually indrawn, and unnaturally and unusually silent. Cameron's man harnessed the horses and brought the buggy round to the front door. Old Jimmy immediately sidled up to the horses' heads, and in his disability to attract the bipeds, importuned the quadrupeds for Backer and Tucker. Margaret Cameron, with Lovey in her arms, went into the bedroom, turned back the sheet from the brow, and held the child's immovable lips to it, then pressed her own and went to the buggy. All the household were now round it as she placed the girl on the seat and got in. Boshy stood near, palsied, speechless. The child drew away from Margaret's sheltering arms and shuffled to the seat's edge near Boshy. She placed one foot over the side and moved it meaningly towards him. He rushed and with trembling fingers laced it, then the other. 
Lovey,' he said brokenly, holding both feet firmly, "'Lovey, this is a—a a conspiracy, a put-up thing to part us. Just you wait, Lovey of mine, just wait and see it can be done. Wait, Lovey.' His lips were disobedient, but his jaw worked strenuously for the love of his heart. "'Long ago, a—a uh, uh, conspiracy parted me from me mother. This is another conspiracy to part us.' He mouthed silently for some moments. "'Wait, lovey o' mine, and see can it be done. Just wait, love.' "'Poor fellow me,' importuned Jimmy as they drove off. "'Poor fellow me, poor tumble-down Jimmy.' as ever his hand rose and fell. End of chapter 2